So we're working our way through this series, right, called Love God and Love Others, and we've been breaking down the, the pieces. And the idea of loving God and loving others is that's our purpose, and we don't really grasp our purpose in life until we come to an understanding of the reality of God's identity and the reality of our own identities. The combination of those two things inevitably will point us to these two concepts of loving God and loving others. And we've been talking about the way we do that here at Crossroads is by following the model that Jesus set. Jesus looked up to his heavenly father. He looked up for guidance. He looked up for sustenance. He looked up for his identity. He leaned in to his followers for support, encouragement, and challenge. And he reached out to those poor in resources and those, those poor in spirit. And that's exactly what we want to try to do. So instead of, of pushing ahead to that lean in piece, which is where we're at right now, we're going to circle back and we're going we're gonna to dive a little bit deeper into the, into the look up piece. And look up, we talked about last week, is made up of a couple of different pieces, right? Bible study, prayer, generosity, and what we talked about last week, worship. And I define worship for you as responding to the greatness and glory of God in everything that we think and say and do as individuals and as a church. And somebody just came up to me in the back of the room and was telling me about how they were driving over here and they were starting to think to themselves, oh, the weather's bad and it's, you know, it's tricky or whatever and it's cold. And then they realized, they're like looking at the trees and the ice forming on the trees and how beautiful it is and how the, the trees just are covering everything and that's just like God covering us, right, in the middle of everything. That's responding to the greatness and glory of God in the middle of everything, right? There was a choice that was made in that moment to either go down a bad road or to respond to God in it. And that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what we talked about. And I laid out this idea of, of responding and I... I kind of gave it this funky term of intentionally involuntary, right? So we're going to work on that intentional piece. We're going we're gonna to build on that intentional piece by looking at the story, um, kind of a famous story, if you have a church background, of the woman at the well. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to retell most of the story. I'm just going to read you a couple, uh, couple of verses from it, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. Jesus is traveling and he's tired, and it's hot, and it's the middle of the day. Uh, his disciples head off into town to go try to find some food, and he happens upon a well. And at the well is a woman who is also there to, to get water. And it was unusual that she be there at that hour of the day because of the heat. Most of the time, the women would go to gather water in the cool of the day, and um, it was more, not more of, but there was a social aspect to it. In, in addition to the, just the functional aspect of, of getting water. So she was there by herself in, in the heat of the day. So Jesus, Jewish preacher, prophet, Lord of the universe, proceeds to engage this Samaritan woman in a conversation. And the fact that Jesus was a Jew and a male and she was a woman and a Samaritan, um, that basically puts up every kind of cultural, ethnic divide that there could be. And it makes it uh, a conversation that shouldn't have, have happened. And Jesus proceeds to have this conversation with the woman. And um, the woman's got a rough past. And we don't know whether there are bad choices that she made or circumstances that were kind of thrust upon her. Um, but she's, she's, in a bad, she's in a bad way. And Jesus starts to 
press a little bit, and he gets personal, and she tries to tries to change the change the subject, and he he circles it back. He brings it back, and she tries to change the subject again, and he he circles it back and he brings it back. And one of the things she tried was the to talk about the logistics of of worshiping God. She said, well, you guys, Jewish people, you say we have to worship over here, and my people say we have to worship over there. And then we get to the scripture that we're going we're gonna to read uh, this morning. Uh, I'm trying to get there, sorry. Here we go. Okay. So this is Jesus' response um, to, the, to the woman. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true wor- worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So Jesus lays out for her this expectation for people. He shares with her that, yeah, I'm the one that everybody's talking about. I'm the one that's been written about for all these years. I'm the one trying to engage her at a level where she will, will listen to him. And he, he uses this phrase, um, in spirit and in truth. And that's what we're going to concentrate on this morning. The idea of this, the duality of how we approach God, of how we, how we respond to God. And that, that is the idea of spirit and truth, right? It's heart and mind. It's how we feel and how we think. It's new decisions. It's new affections. It's this, this split. Like some of us are wired more towards the feeling emotional side of things. Some of us are wired more towards the intellectual kind of brainy side of things. Um, but what Jesus calls us to, what scripture calls us to, all of that, right? That's what we do to respond to God, both heart and mind. The things that move God should move us. The things that make God happy should make us happy. The things that make him sad should make us sad. The things that God says are right and wrong, that's where we need to be. Um, So our, our plan, our thought for this morning, to grow in worship, we need to intentionally develop thoughts about and towards Jesus that are true. We need to cultivate feelings about and towards Jesus that are stronger than anything else. So, you guys are going to have to do a little bit of work this morning. I told you you were going to need you're going to need your Bibles, and we're going to just spend some time looking at the um, these a couple of different passages that I pulled out. Um, all of the Bible is important, but I feel like these passages. Well, number one, they've been really uh, impactful in my life just me personally, and have changed the way that I uh, think and see things, but also they're just really good um, nutshells of, of the gospel and of God's work and of who we are and who, who God is, because that's what, that, remember our premise, folks, that's what we keep coming back to, right? Discovering the reality of who God is and discovering the reality of who we are. When we do those things, we get our purpose, and, and life takes a totally totally different, um, totally different tack. So, a um, couple of different choices, all right? You can find in your Bibles the book of Romans, and I want you to just take time by yourself, and I want you to read 
You don't have to read all of it, read as much of it as you feel motivated to. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. If you're a speed reader like my wife and you want to get adventurous, you can also look at the first couple chapters of the book of Ephesians. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. And don't, don't feel stressed like, oh my gosh, there's so much I have to read. Just take your time. Read as much of it as you can, as much of it as you feel like you're, you're led to. And we're going to, um, that's not it. Still trying to get there. There we go. Nope. I just want you to think about those, those questions that are up there, right? What does the passage teach you about God? What does the passage teach you about you? And then what are you going to do about it? So we develop right thinking about God, right, the truth about God by spending time in his word, by being grounded in the things that he says about himself and the things that he says about us. So again, don't feel stressed. Don't feel like this is schoolwork. This is, um, this is the God of the universe trying to speak to you this morning. So um, Matthew, if we could uh, get a little reading music. And then uh, I'll, uh, I'll come back up here and redirect us in a second. I hope that didn't cause too much stress. I went back to the back of the room and the folks back there looked up at me and immediately said, this is really long. So um, I, was, I was hoping it would be more of a, a gift of an opportunity to, to take some time and, and dig into, uh, into God's word a little bit. And I didn't, I didn't tell you guys I was going to do this, but if... And it's fine if not, but if anybody wanted to um, talk about, to let us know what they came up with as response to those uh, questions, I would be interested to hear that, along with the rest of our friends here. <clears throat> David. Try not to walk directly in the line of that camera. Something that stood out to me as I was reading through uh, the Romans chapters was the idea of uh, the the concept of being hostile hostile towards God came up, where if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, that's not just a setting God aside. It's not just a simple matter of, oh, you know, I, it's not that big a deal. I'm just not going to follow God today. It's actively setting yourself against God. Um, and I think that's true in a, in, in a sense for, for, un, for unbelievers. There's this sense where, um, where it's, it's kind of fine, like we're fine without God. But the reality is that being, um, you know, rejecting the truth of Christ is setting yourself against God. But especially as Christians, um, I think it says something similar in James, where he's saying that if you are a friend of the world for personal gain, you are making yourself an enemy of God. And so what that teaches, I, you know, in tandem with everything else that it was saying about God, where he loves us and he sacrificed himself for us, it's amazing. It's not just, you know, we could go either way. We're actively hostile toward him, and he's still sacrificed for us, but what that says to me about me is um, it's really important to keep the right perspective on when I make a choice to 
to not obey God in whatever situation. It's not just, eh, it's not that big a deal. It's mm. actually hostile, and that's something that we should take seriously. Right, which, which makes Romans 8, 1 and 2 even more amazing. It says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Even with, even with that, we still have the, that, that, great, that great news. Any other thoughts? Steve? Um, in the Romans, I just, through the first chapter, which was seven, the word that kept jumping out at me was the law, the law, the law, and how it's impossible to follow the law, but you want to follow the law because you want to be right in God's eyes. And um, I think the first part of my Christian walk was just constantly berating myself because I knew what the law was, and I just kept falling and falling and falling. And then um, the second part of my Christian walk, I've learned that um, the chapter 8 is all about the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, and how if you live a life in the spirit, then you're not concentrating on all the sins in your life, but you're concentrating on all the ways that God is moving in your life, is speaking into your life, is teaching you things. And... Um, you're focusing completely on a different side of your life, which is the spiritual side of your life. And then I just started reading the Ephesians, and the scripture that pops out at me was, um, for those, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, the original lawful person would say, I could never, ever be holy and blameless in God's sight because there's so much sin in my life, but on the spiritual side, I can see that that is possi a possibility. Right, and what, so the really cool part about that is the more you, we focus on the Spirit and the more we're being guided by the Spirit, the more we are able to do the things that the law asks us to, to do and requires of us. Um, thank you guys for those of you who are willing to share. So <clears throat> the idea of, of growing in our ability to um, to recognize the truth, to learn about the truth, uh, to, to live the truth, like, like Steve was just describing. That's that, obviously, the, in spirit and, and in truth. And that comes from the pages of Scripture. And we have to be intentional about, about growing in that. Uh, the other part is the, the spirit, right? Our feelings, our emotions. And, and for some of us, thinking of, like, it's like, ugh, I don't have feelings, emotions, like, ugh. But, uh, I mean, the Bible over and over and over tells us that we should take great joy, delight in God, right? That's, um, that should be the pursuit of, of our existence, is, is taking joy and finding our most satisfaction in God above, above and beyond um, every, everything else. So to do that, to cultivate, you know, when we come together, we'll, we'll sing songs, right? That's one way of, of relating uh, our feelings and emotions is that expression of the arts, not just songs, any kind of, any kind of art. Um, so we started our service doing that. We're going to end with a, a song here in a, in a minute. Um, but another way that we can engage our feelings and our emotions, um, especially for guys, um, might be easier 
to think of it in terms this way, is, is when we pray. We have an opportunity to, um, in a completely uh, um, safe way, to express to the God of the universe what is going on inside of us, what the, our thoughts and our fears and our dreams and the things that we get excited about, and to know that the God of the universe hears and answers every single one of those prayers. And because of who Jesus was and is and the things that he said and did and still says and does, we have access to the throne of the God of the universe, and we can approach God confidently. And Jesus, um, we're going to do, we're going to pray in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to read, if I can find my phone, bring my phone up here. Um, Thank you. I'm going to read what we sometimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Or um, if you grew up in a a denomination, um, sometimes it's called the Our Father. Um, But it was the specific way when Jesus asked his, um, when his disciples asked of him, how should we pray? This is what he said. And it doesn't necessarily mean we have to use these words. Um, Bruce, could you put up the, the slide responding in, uh, in spirit. So there's a couple of different, I mean, you can obviously just pray the words and let the words speak because they're Jesus' words. It's a fantastic prayer. Um, but I'm going to read through this passage a couple of times. And as I read through, if you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. I want you to just listen for a word from the prayer that jumps out to you. Right? The Holy Spirit can and does do things like that. He'll just, like, for whatever reason, maybe the word, you know, bread sticks out as we read through this. And you just continue to, as I read, I'm going to read it like three or four times. As I continue, just let that kind of marinate and sit and see what God might, why God might be bringing that word to your attention. The other thing, the other way to approach this is maybe there's something in your life. Maybe there's somebody in your life, a relationship, an issue, a struggle, um, and that you just, you kind of have that in mind. And as I read through these verses of Scripture a couple times, maybe the, maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you something about that person or that issue um, that will either give you an idea or a hope or a confidence or a conviction um, that you can, you can act upon afterwards. Does that, does that make sense? So it's recorded in a couple of different places, but I'm going to read the, um, the version that is in Matthew chapter 6. And it starts in verse 9. All right, so like I said, if you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. Just sit back and, and listen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that um, you taught us how to pray. Thank you that we can, when we don't know what to pray, we can use the words that you gave us. Uh, I thank you for the messages and the thoughts and the ideas and the impressions uh, that you just pressed onto us in this moment. Uh, Father, I ask that you would give us the wisdom to recognize that uh, and the boldness and the courage to live into it and to do whatever it is we feel you pressing us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, full disclosure, I really did not anticipate um, the Holy Spirit to put one of those words on my heart and mind as I was reading, and I almost like stumbled over my words because the word heaven just like jumped, like literally just jumped and grabbed me. Um, and so for me, like I've been lately, and I'm just, I'll tell you this really short story just by way of like how this might work. Um, I've been uh, convicted of the fact that like the, the Bible tells us that uh, when Jesus, Jesus is going to restore everything. He's going to make everything new. Um, there's going to be <clears throat> no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sickness, no more death. And um, preachers and teachers and group leaders have, like hold that out to us as like this, this should be motivation to us. And it, it, it absolutely is. Um, but I'm coming through a season in my life where it wasn't, it wasn't enough. Uh, and so just that, like the, the, um, I, I want to say the heavy hand of God, but it's not, it's not heavy. Like it's, it's like a, like a big hand on, on your shoulder. Like, all right, you screwed up, but we're back on track now. Um, and just, the, you know, so whatever the specifics of the situation, but just the fact that that God can and does speak when we, when we give him. I mean, you can hear my, my voice catching as I'm relay, relaying this to you. Like, this is like a big deal in my, in my family's life. And um, the fact that God would use a piece of scripture that I've read hundreds of times, and I've led groups through many, many times this exact same deal. But that even in the, in the middle of this instance, that God would speak like that. And I hope and I pray that, that God did that for you in that, in that moment. Um, 
so again, we're, the idea is growing in our ability to respond to God, to intentionally develop this involuntary response that our first reaction would be to turn to God and to respond to him, thought, word, deed, as individuals and as a group. Or, like we just did, as individuals in a group. Um, I'm going to ask Marvin and the band to come back up. They got, I think you're going to do one more, one more song for us. And just as a reminder that this, you know, we, as we grow in truth, um, I would encourage you to, to stretch yourself. For those of you who are more intellectually minded and the feeling side is a little more difficult, maybe music is a way to bridge that gap. For those of you who are a little more emotionally wired, um, the music oftentimes just comes right out of scripture. And it's a way for you to bridge that gap for you, just to teach you the truths of scripture um, as, we, as we close out our time um, in worship and song.